Episode 255, The Rant, Al Batista, Maryland State Interpreter for the Game of Basketball, Northeast Scout for the NBA, Basketball Rules Polyglot. As a young official, Al was ahead of his time. Now, he's right on time. In this pod, we delve deep into his roots in officiating, his early life, his pursuit to becoming encyclopedic with the rules, his stint as a collegiate basketball official and rules interpreter, and how he got to the NBA and ties it all together to give back to the officiating community. With my special co-host Bernard Bowen Sr., our conversation with Al, now. The Rant has been brought to you by Geo Studios, now open. They are located one block south of Westbury Train Station in the heart of Long Island, New York. Looking to bring your art or event to life? Trying to record a podcast? Enjoy six rooms of studio space to create audio and visual content. It also includes an 800-square-foot cyclorama wall studio, a state-of-the-art recording studio, three breakout rooms for four to six people each, which include a green room and lounges, a quality surround sound with six speakers and studio lighting, and most importantly, two on-site restrooms. You know I need my restrooms. Book your space today. For more information... Find us at geoevents.com. The Rant has been brought to you by The Irrefutable Magazine. Co-editor in design Kevin Sparrick and co-editor at large Ralph Fernolis decided to combine both of their talents in writing and illustrations to bring to you a new online experience from an official's perspective. They both ref, but it's deeper than officiating. They create art for all time. Do you think your brand would be a good fit for the Irrefutable magazine audience? Want to advertise with us? Visit us at theirrefutable.com slash sponsors for more information. We are The Irrefutable. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with my eternal collaborator, Bernard Bowen Sr. How are you, my friend? I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing excellent. And I got a wonderful guest, uh, somebody that I admire uh, very dearly. Um, he's been on a, a slew of podcasts, and he's a staple on a lot of the virtual camps that have been going on within the basketball officiating community. Uh, state interpreter for Maryland. Um, head of the NBA scouting of potential officials on the East Coast for NBA referee operations. Also a former CBOA collegiate official and author of Beyond the Rules, Techniques, Tips, and Best Practices for Scholastic Collegiate Basketball Officiating, and somebody that's omnipresent in the game of basketball in the United States, Mr. Al Batista. How are you, my friend? Good. Good, Ralph. Bernard's great, great to be on. Thank you. Yes, sir. Oh, so I, I guess before I should mention everything else, um, I shared a moment with you, uh, Al, um, this was early January, and it was uh, yeah. that event at Gauchos. And I just remember you were giving me such great advice. And what I can remember from that day was, aside from the advice, was uh, the passing of Kobe Bryant, something I'll never forget. Yeah. What do you remember about that particular day? Um, it, it was just, just, a, just um, you know, just a, um, a sad day, you know, mm. just like it, it, it made you feel that, uh, you know, you can't take things for granted, you know, and um, just can't take things for granted. You, you just, you never know when, when, um, um, uh, when, when it's going to be your last day and like mm. to enjoy every day wholeheartedly and, 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 and so on. Yeah. Um, and, and that's something that I think you take pride in because you could tell just anyone that, 
uh, really interacts with you. You see that you have such a deep passion for the game of basketball. You have such a deep integrity for the game of officiating in basketball. Um, and what I first wanted to ask you is, first of all, how are you holding up with all of this going on, the COVID-19 global pandemic? When was the moment that you took all of this serious? And were you in the midst of uh, scouting somebody? Were you at a game yourself when you found that everything was shutting down within the NBA? Um, well, um, not so much the NBA, but, um, you know, it was funny. The first round of the Division Three tournament, on um, that day, um, I was at UDC observing for, for Kathy Lynch um, in the East Coast Conference Ladies Tournament. And Kaz Beverly of Board 33 happened to join me. And then I went over to Marymount University to watch him referee the first, uh, might have been the second round of the ND, NCAA Division Three Women's Tournament. And we heard that day that Johns Hopkins in the men's tournament, they allowed no fans. And, you know, it was going, well, what? No fans, you know, you know. And then the next week when I was going to the Maryland State Tournament, I saw everyone outside and I said, what's wrong? They said the tournament's been canceled. And that's when it kind of, you know, dawned on me that, you know, again, something we take for granted, you know, it's not here. But, you know, the thing is, um, you know, so what I did, did there instead of not being a defeatist, I started coming up with ideas of what you could start doing as a basketball official um, to get ready for the next season or or whatever. And um, just like if you were injured or just like, you know, something happened, I started coming up with ideas. And then these Zoom sessions started this they started, and I was invited to some, and wow, I mean, I know that we had the pandemic, and it wasn't good, but the training that we've had in basketball officiating around the world has been phenomenal, but also all the referees helping one another, high school, college, pro, FIBA, the basketball officiating community should really be proud of themselves. Mm -hmm. um, because we are a unified group of individuals that really care for one another and help one another at all levels. And it was great to see. Mm. So, and I don't, I don't think the country really knows about it, but if they That's saw true. the officials in this, especially on the basketball side, getting together and helping one another out, it was just, it's just phenomenal. And mm. there are a lot of people involved like you and Bernard and Alex Landis and, and Aaron and Hart and Blanca and Wayne out in Oklahoma and Board 12 and Tony Brothers and Eric Lewis, um, you know, um, Sean West out in Indianapolis. You know, these are things I've been on. Um, just great stuff. Just great. Ibo or Ibo, and, you know, Ibo is very dear to me. And, you know, Ibo with the Zoom sessions just kept everyone in tune. And, and, and we're coming together as basketball officials, which is kind of neat to see because you see college officials and pro officials and high school referees, and we're with that common goal. And, you know, it's a great thing about it, Ralph, is officials are becoming more open-minded. I didn't know that, or I could do it that way or whatever. And I think 
it, this has forced us to become open-minded because we got to find things, what to do, you know, to keep ourselves occupied, mm. you know? Yeah. Those are, those are great points. And I, I know you appreciate good analogies the way I think of it as, you know, when you become somebody that really takes up the craft, I think of it as a track and field athlete. If you're somebody that's trying to be proficient in the 100 meter dash, you got to do so many things outside of that right. race to perform. Right. And the same thing with the basketball officiating. Sometimes you got to do so many things outside of that. And what the pandemic has done is it's exposed that fact that you have to do so many things and how you can get still completely involved. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, everyone in this business, what were you going to say? I, I also wanted to also mention Ed Rush in the core club. I forgot to met Ed Rush in the oh, yeah. core club because yes. they, they've done just a phenomenal, Ed has just done a phenomenal job as well. So, um, you know, you know, just, just great stuff all around. One thing I wanted to ask you is that, you know, I think everybody that knows you within the business, whether they be in the pros, college, or high school officials that are aspiring to get to a higher level, they would describe somebody like you, aside from being a rules guru, is omnipresent. It seems as though you're everywhere at all times, and no one, you could just pop out anywhere. And I'm pretty sure that since the pandemic has happened, your day-to-day operations have changed. Um, How much has it changed from, you know, being on a plane, going over here, scouting over there, and now you're just kind of in a holding pattern, but still trying to be effective at what you do? Well, you know, you know, like I, you know, the only thing that has not changed for me is going out watching, actually going out watching games. But I have been, you know, you know, just a hobby for me. I'm always in the rule books, you know, constantly, all of them, you know, every day making quizzes. You know, I make a, I make an NBA quiz every day, write them in the W, and and then I make, um, you know, once a week an NCAA men's, women's, um, high school, and FIBA quiz. You know, I make one of those. And just being on the phone and then watching tape, you know, getting plays, you know, things like that. So my, my day-to-day operations hasn't changed because usually my day starts at 7 a.m. and – and you know, there's there's breaks and all that, but it usually doesn't end to two a.m. every day. Mm. Wow! And and, it, and it's all basically devoted to basketball and just helping people, or you know, just talking, you know, getting plays sent or rule questions or you know whatever. But now there there are events like last weekend. I was at um, Competitive Edge in Philadelphia, Philadelphia area. And there was a turn. My kids had something. And then tomorrow I'm going over to Spooky Nook and my kids is having something. And then, you know, things are opening up. Then I'm going to see Kaz Beverly. They have an outdoor league in New Jersey um, <clears throat> over in Elizabeth. And I, you're going to see more and more things pop up. I think you're going to start seeing outdoor leagues just, just showing up and so on. So, and that's why I always tell individuals, um, hey, if you hear of everything, let me know. Mm. You hear of a camp because I get calls all the time. Hey, have you heard of camp? Have you heard of a league? You know, or 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 so on. So, and then I always watch um, NBA games on 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 um, television every day. I do one NBA game a day, one W, and I, I don't look at who wins or loses, but I really focus on positioning and poise. You know, 
um, you can learn so much watching NBA games, NW games, whatever level you're doing, you can learn so much. Um, because usually when stuff happens in the NBA, like a player or whatever, or, you know, something positioning, it usually starts coming down to other levels of basketball. Because if you think about it, it's because so many young people like YouTube and they'll start, hey, how can I do this and how can I do that? And they'll look it up on YouTube. Mm. Does that make sense? So it, you always make sense, Al. Uh, no, but- well, not, you know. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right. So what what never made sense to me is that you are always omnipresent, but you have never gotten opportunity like this for you to explain your backstory because, you know, every I think everyone always looks at you and goes like, how does this guy know all this stuff? It, it is an accumulation of uh, things that you've done over the course of this year, these these years. I want this to be an opportunity to just really flesh out your origin story. So having said that, um, just discuss where did you grow up? What did you play growing up? What did you play in middle school? What did you play in high school? And what did you play in college? Well, um, um, I grew up in Washington, D.C. And um, I grew up right in the city. And um, I went to St. John's High School. And um, I, didn't, I didn't play any high school athletics. I, I, I wanted to. But I wasn't good enough to play high school athletics, um, baseball, or, or basketball. But my, I was, my big game was baseball, but I played a lot of playground basketball games. And I played a, a lot of um, sandlot baseball games for many teams in the D.C. area. And when I started playing sandlot baseball, I was playing with my ex-minor leaguers. And I was just, I was just a young kid. And, and I learned so much baseball from them, what to do, what not to do, and, and whatever. And, um, and then when I went to college, um, I was lucky enough, I was, I was playing semi-pro baseball, and I got on, on the baseball team at American U. American U doesn't have a team, and, and I basically was a utility player and played a variety of positions. Um, but after... But after um, um, and I would always play in the summer. There was a league called the Industrial League, and I always played in that league. And it was a semi-pro baseball league, and and whatever you had a lot of them up and down the East Coast. But baseball was my game, and I got into basketball officiating to stay in shape for baseball because when back then when you played baseball, you, there was a lot of running involved, especially if you were an outfielder or a pitcher. You had to run a lot, and I and I did both. Um, but I got involved in basketball officiating at 18 years of age and four twelve. And um, believe it or not, my first year I officiated because I was a college student. I did 550 games. <laughs> wow! That, that's no lie. From 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 uh, since they started giving me games before I even passed the test. And when I first got in is um, I lived near Deal Junior High and Wilson Junior High, which I still live near. And our IBO commissioner says, um, I want you to go to, for the whole year, roughly seven, eight, nine, seven, eight, nine o'clock, every one of those courts. And, and I did Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday goes on Friday. I want you to go to Western High School, seven, eight, nine o'clock. And that was in Georgetown. 
And then on Saturday, I would do um, uh, six CYO. I would do 12 CYO games on the weekend. I would do three in the morning at Blessed Sacrament, and three in the morning at St. Anne's, and then switch off. And every game I worked my first year, I actually walked to. Well, that was uh, nice. Yeah, and, and I was lucky. Um, you know, things were different. You know, um, my, my mentor and interpreter at our board was in the Hall of Fame, and he never smiled. His name was Jay Dallas Shirley. <laughs> and he, he's in the Basketball Hall of Fame. He was on the NBA staff. He was on everyone's staff. But, um, um, you know, when he came into a room back then, it was different. I mean, you were actually scared. <laughs> So, um, you know, but you learned a lot from Mr. Shirley because he just drilled the fundamentals um, that you did, and he drilled them and drilled them and drilled them, you know, and so on. And, um, and, our, and, the, and the second person that was in our board at that time and worked the most ACC championships, and they were both in the NBA before it was the NBA. I think it was called Basketball Association of America. They were both on those staffs. And that was Dr. Phil Fox, okay, who, who I, I hope Dr. Fox gets a, you know, I hope he's nominated to the Basketball Hall of Fame as well. But, you know, that's who I had coming up. So I was very lucky. And, and then there are the officials in our board. There was Louis Grillo, NBA referee, you know, that mentored me. There was Joe Forte, um, NBA referee. Um, you know, um, later on, I, you know, I mentored Scott Foster. Um, you know, I started refereeing, um, well, Reggie Greenwood, I was two years ago, but I refereed a lot of high school games with Reggie Greenwood in, in small college games. Um, you know, um, I'm just trying to think, but there was a, um, a lot of officials, um, that I worked with had, was fortunate to, to work with the board 12 that were very good collegiate officials later went on to the NBA. Um, you know, I started refereeing collegiate basketball at, um, at a very early age, I started, I think I, I haven't, I didn't even work a varsity game and I got a division one, I was starting working division one. And I worked in the MEAC for 26 years and I worked in the big South for 12 years. Um, but, but I was lucky, you know, at that time. Um, and it was two, the games were two person. I'll be honest with you, all your division ones were two person. Here I was, 22 years old, and the games were way over my head. But because of the rules knowledge I had, and I had a really sharp memory, I could hang in there. But the games were too fast. Um, it, but it always wasn't a success. It took a lot of hard work. And when I, when I started, because it was different than Bernard, and Bernard knows, and Ralph, if you knew the rules, it was held against you. Right. That's true. That it, it, is was, true. It, it, it was really held against you that you don't know what you're doing, you're too legalistic, and so on. So not to pat myself on the back, but I was actually ahead of my time, but no one knew it. Um, and there might have been some jealousy because I always thought the more you knew the rules, the more realistic you could be. 
but I was young and if you, you couldn't really say anything, but that's okay. It just helped me later on down in life. But I always had setbacks too. It took me 14 years to get into CBOA. Okay. You know, and, and everyone had said, I, I see that took you 14 years to get into CBOA. I said, yeah, CBOA was not easy to get into because your peers you, your peers had to accept you in, in whatever. And my peers did not accept me because I knew the rules. But, but once I got in CBOA, I, it, I, it, I took off. When I got into CBOA, we weren't doing um, Division ones, But, you know, I was constantly going to the Division three tournament, and they used to have the ECAC tournament. Um, uh, so I don't look at anything as a negative. When I had setbacks in life, I look looking back, I look at it as positives. Uh, I, I was glad I, it took me years. It, it, I was glad I didn't make high school baseball because, you know, um, um, I was a very successful high school baseball coach. And, um, you know, um, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to brag, but the, the, the school I taught at, the baseball field is named after me. So, um, but, it, 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 you know, I didn't get into CBOA right away, but that was okay. It made me push harder and learn and so on. And, yeah, there were days you got down, but you got you to keep going. And, um, you know, um, but the, the, what really helped me with fish eating was a gentleman named John Holt. And John Holt was just a great man. He was a he was he was the supervisor of the West Virginia Conference, and and um, John was a Vietnam veteran. I think of three tours, and I think he might he never talked about it, but um, John um, I think won the Navy um, the highest award you can get in the Navy, and that might be the Navy Cross. I, I'm not sure, but but John was such a nice man, and he would never let you quit. And he, 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 he was, after John would talk to you, you wanted to just run through a brick wall for him. And he always, always just kept you motivated. And I worked the West Virginia Conference Tournament from 1990 to, to um, 2015. Um, I worked that many West Virginia, Con and the West Virginia Conference was a tough league. Tough league. You had Wheeling Jesuit, West Lib, Fairmont, Salem, you know, Shepherd, DE, AB, and you know, it was like an ACC in West Virginia, but it was, it, you know, it was NAIA. Then it went to Division Two, but it was fierce. And um, <clears throat> since we're on this, my dad came. My dad, I was very lucky. I, uh, my dad was a great man, but he was my best friend. And I was lucky to have a father like that. Uh, because he was my best friend, um, I'm just looking for something right here, and and um, <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> my dad came to a lot of West Virginia conference games. He came to a lot of basketball games with me, and always would not let me get down, and 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 so on. But he came to a lot of West Virginia tournaments with me, and and I just want to read this if you don't mind. Um, do you, you don't mind, do I? Do you? I, I don't. I don't. You got the floor all day. Okay. okay. Well, when my dad died, he died in 2017. Most of your West Virginia conference officials came from the Baltimore, D.C., and the Pittsburgh area. 
And, um, and, I, and the, the West Virginia Conference, believe it or not, was even an IBO board. It was IBO board 215, and, and it, was, it was a college board. It was a college organization. But my dad wrote this poem, um, just driving with me in West Virginia Conference games. And if, and if you know anything about the state of West Virginia, it's basically Route 79 and 81, 79, 81, and, seven, and 70. And the poem goes like this, up to 70 to 70 to 68. North or south down 79, this is the life in the WBIAC where the competition is fierce, the pace is furious, and the rivalries are the best ever. Someone wake me up. Are we in basketball heaven? No, we are close to it. We are the best small college league in the world. And, and now my dad, it was anonymous, he wrote that, just coming on a trip to, to with me, and they, they, they said it at his funeral. And I just, I just thought about it. This wasn't rehearsed. But, um, you know, just talking about my life. So, you know, I, I was always taught not to give up, you know, and just keep working hard and, you know, be positive. But most of all, you know, you know try to help people. And, and before my dad passed, you know, he told me, he said, you know, what I want you to do is, and I try to do this every day, and some days I'm not good at it. He always says, you got a gift. You love basketball, fish eating. You have a gift for the rules. He goes, try to help um, someone every day and try to help that person who, who might be the underdog. And the great thing about my dad was um, he would, every day he would, we would play baseball in the playground, CYO, whatever. And he was there helping, but he would always take, the, the player that wasn't that good and he would work with them for hours. And I remember that he never gave up on individuals and he would try to encourage somebody. And, um, and, you know, and that's what I try to do. You know, I mean, everyone's not going to go to the NBA and everyone's not going to do major division one basketball, but, you know, uh, as Jess Thompson said, Jess Thompson is an NBA official, and he's the IBO interpreter for the Philippines. He said, you know, to have good leagues, you have to have good officials. And for your league to be good, what he says, you have to have good officiating. Right. If you don't have good officiating, whatever league it is, you're not going to have a good league. Because he said, and I go, yeah, right. And then I started thinking about it, and he's right. You have to have good officiating because you'll have chaos and mayhem, and you know, and you know, every you know, everyone getting upset and this and that, and it could you know be rightfully so. But every league, if you think about it, needs a good staff of officials. And you know, we're so lucky on the East Coast that we have IBO. There's a lot. We're very lucky to have IBO on the East Coast. The thing I think that might hurt us, there's so many good officials on the East Coast that everyone's not going to make Division One or the NBA. But, yeah, they can work Division Three, Division Two, and, and believe me, Division Three, Division Two, and junior college basketball are not easy games to work. And, um, you know, and um, and I think one thing we do in this country, which I don't like, is we label, oh, he's Division One, she's Division One, or they're Division Two. No, 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 we're all basketball referees. And like, you know, like a, when I was living in D.C. and I would tell 
stories about the West Virginia Conference or MEAC games, you know, or this or that, or the ODAC, and no one really believed it because they never saw, they never saw it, but the intensity in those games and the, and the competitiveness and the fierce rivalries, I'm glad I was there. I was glad I was part of it. But the great thing about all those conferences that I was in, Bernard and Ralph, was the camaraderie that I have. I still have so many friends from the West Virginia Conference in MEAC, you know, and, you know, that still call me today. And they go, remember that game? Remember this game? Or you remember this trip that we took in, you know, or in a snowstorm or whatever? And those days I'll treasure, you know, forever, you know, mm. um, you know, or, um, or so on, but or growing up in the Northwest and, and individuals laugh because they go, I understand you would go to games and you would cut through alleys, cut through yards, and you would get there real quick. And those, because I, I grew up in Northwest and that, that was like a thing to do. You would go th through someone's yard and no one thought anything of it or an alley or whatever, and you get to the school real quickly. Like everyone used to laugh, I could get to Georgetown without using, you know, buses or whatever, like in like, 17 minutes because I knew the shortcuts with the streets and you know um you know things like that I don't know if that makes sense to you or whatever oh, it makes sense you know and sense. but those things I always treasure if I go by those area you know areas today I just laugh I go I can remember like doing a double header there or, or whatever you know and um but you, I think you got to look at everything every day. I'm sorry to ramble so much, Bernard and Ralph, but I think you got to look at everything every day as a positive and keep going and 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 so on. So um, because if you don't, you're really going to defeat yourself, and you're not you're not going to enjoy it. Mm. I had a question. So you know, you remain steadfast in your approach of being a knowledgeable person of the rules. Um, I wanted to know when it started breaking, when you started feeling as though that now it was basically acceptable to the referee community for the things that you have been doing. And then you started being perceived as an asset and then now being, you know, used as a conduit for helping such great younger officials to get to the well, next level. Well, I was interpreter of IBO board um, 215 from, I mean, I could never be interpreter of my own IBO board when I, when I, because, um, in, 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 because it was that knowledge maybe and whatever, but I went somewhere and Mr. Holt saw the passion I had. And I was an IBO interpreter from 1990 in board 215 to, 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 to till I retired from the West Virginia Conference. And then the last two years was the Mountain East and we got rid of the charter, which, you know, it happened. But I was interpreter from 90 to 2013. And, and at back then at the West Virginia Conference, each official had to do a presentation. So every referee had to do a presentation on a rule. So, um, Mr. Holt gave me correctable error and boom. And, you know, and, and he asked me for some reason to do the test. And, you know, I really did the way I, I guess I presented it. He really liked it. And then he asked me to become interpreter. Then I ran the clinics. And I think my break was, was uh, every year we had a speaker at our clinic and Hank Nichols was 
the secretary rules editor, and he goes, well, I'm going to do the rules. And Mr. Holt goes, no, no, no. He goes, well, I'm the national rules interpreter. And he said, we got somebody better. And he goes, what? And then, and I gave it, not, not to pat myself on the back. And, and, and don't get me wrong, Hank Nichols, a great referee, great secretary rules editor. But, you know, that day I really gave a really phenomenal presentation in front of Hank Nichols, you know, and it was really good. And, um, and there are a lot, you know, I'm not the only good rules person out there. You know, Mike Millione is a really excellent rules interpreter. Now, um, um, you know, um, on the pro side, you know, just people who really know the pro rules, you know, you have Joe Borgia, you have Scotty Foster, you have Money McCutcheon, you know, I, th I think because I work for the NBA, I, um, I really have gotten into the pro rules. I really, it took me a long time to really understand them um, because I never refereed at that level. But I really, really um, have gotten into it and really know why in the rationale. And I learn every day. But I think the one thing that really helped me with the pro rules, Ralph, is I write a quiz about it every day and I have to research it and go, Oh, I never knew that, or, you know, in this and that. And then I can go back and go, oh, that's the, in my head, I go, that's the college rule. That's the woman's rule. That's, oh, let me look what it is in FIBA. And I'll go, look. And then this, this memory bank just starts. Boom. And it just starts and starts and starts. And you go, you know, like everyone says basketball, they're, it's really far apart. It's really not. It's really not because if you really look at it, every rule book has the basic theme, freedom of movement. They might say it in a little different way, but it's freedom of movement. And that's the interesting part of it, you know, and, um, and, and so on. But, you know, that was probably my real, you know, um, um, break. And another, another gentleman who was a great NCAA referee always pushed me as an official and he was another great mentor and he worked um at the time he had just as worked as many ncaa tournaments as hank nichols and that was bob barnett so john holt and bob barnett bob really i got to referee a lot of MEAC games with bob and he was hard on me but after the game he always said okay now we're going to work on this and we're going to work on that and um the other person too, just thinking was Jim Howe. What what a great person Jim Howe was. A true gentleman. I mean, if you want to talk about professionalism, Jim Howe worked four Final Four. He was our IBO. He was Board 12's president, but he was the gentleman that always pushed me in, into um, on positive things. Um, you know, I can I can remember Jim Hal called me up one time in the old Kenner League, and that was a that was a great college league in the summer, and I didn't really know much about three person in 1982, and that day I refereed Patrick Ewing, and Patrick was going to become a freshman at Georgetown U, but I refereed uh, Patrick all summer. I refereed Alonzo Mourning because of Jim Howe in the Kenner League, um, you know. So, you know, I'm, I, I might have missed some um, individuals about really, you know, pushing me that, hey, hey this, 
this kid knows the rules, probably knows them better than, than a lot of individuals in the country. And that was Jim Howe, Bob Barnett, and um, John Holt, those three. Go ahead, you know. Bing. What's okay. That? So, Al, let me just, let me ask you a couple of questions, too. Uh, you're on board 12 right now, or you're still a dual member of two boards? Oh, no, I'm just in board 12. Awesome. How long have you been around the referee community, would you say? Um, it's, boy, it's going over 40 years. I started in 77. Wow. 1977. And in fact, you, you, I know you mentioned this when I first started Naibo, you had to demonstrate how to referee with a lanyard and without a lanyard. Yes. You had to do both. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and I remember. <laughs> and we used to wear gray shirts, Ralph, and you did not tuck them in. You, they had a band. They had That's a right. band. And I got a picture of me. I got a picture yeah. of me in my Evo shirt, my gray and yeah. blue, with a zipper yeah. with a collar. Yeah, and you could only get your Evo shirts from two sources. Um, one was blue and gray supply out of Canada, and the other one was, was um, there was another or it was Stuart Paxton have, and I can't remember the other organization. Uh, uh, Officials Choice. Yeah, and then yeah, and but before that, there was something else. But anyway, it will come to me. But there was only basically one shoe out back then. It was called Spot Builds. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and, that, and that was a good shoe. That was a, that was a good, good shoe. shoe. Yeah. That was a good shoe. And um, it was kind of neat in the sportatorials, the Ivo sportatorials always were mailed yeah. to your house. And yep. um, it was really, it, and it is still special to be an Ibo. But you know, for for those out there, don't take Ibo for granted because there are a lot of areas that don't have Ibo. And when they hear like Bernard Zoom session or 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 you know Board Twelve or whoever, they go, "What is I? Boy, this is a neat organization." And and sometimes I think we take it for granted, you know? Right. Right. But knowing that you're so involved with the rule book, and I know you and I have spoken a number of times, and, and we talk about sometimes you go through five books in one day, just reading over different rules in each book. What are those different books and, and, and what divisions? And I know you spoke about the W, you spoke about the NBA and the high school and the Federation, NCAA and FIBA. How do you get into all of those different rules on a daily basis? I, I just, I just, you know, take a little bit at a time, you know, I, I, I might say, okay, you know, something will come up like, oh, let's do something on live ball. Okay. So I'll make a live ball quiz for the NBA and, oh, but they also have something called a live ball, which we don't have to worry about in amateur basketball. So, okay, we're going to make, something we're going to try to make a quiz live ball on a live ball. Now we'll go to Federation and make it on live ball. Now we'll go to NCAA and make it on live ball in, in women's on live ball and be, you know, just little things like that. Or today we're going to do a rule difference thing. Okay. Um, rule difference. Let's see. Let's, you know, you, know, you start thinking of rule differences and you start just researching 
And, and basically, it's, a, it's like a game that I do every day between myself. Well, I, I could tell you what, you know, your rules and the test that you forward over, the little quizzes are right on point, and I pass them out. I think it's awesome to know that you, like you said, uh, you can get on a court and know your rules, and you get on the court and don't know your rules. Yeah. So, and if you get on the court and know your rules, it just makes your whistle a little bit more powerful. Because if someone asks you a question, you can break it down in a rule interpretation, opposed to trying to talk your way out of the call or talk your way away from the coach who's asking you a question about a rule. So that's one of the things that I think has happened through the pandemic is that a lot of us have gotten on these Zoom calls and we're able to articulate different rule interpretation on how where somebody should be uh, on the court and your positioning and, and standing up and people are seeing it in a group. So now that you're doing that and you're seeing it in a group, it just gets everybody engaged. And then when you're talking about a rule, and I've heard you on a number of calls where you just break down the different rules and it just makes me so proud of you to know what you bring to the table to the referees that are you know, trying to grow in the community of basketball. And in this downtime to understanding the rules, they're going to be a better officials. Let me ask you another question. Uh, how did you get involved with the NBA and how long has it been that you've been around the recruiting side with the NBA? Well, I first started, got, I first started to get involved with the NBA and I first got involved in the NBA in 2004. In 2004, wow. I got a phone call in, from Paul Brazo. I didn't even know who Paul was. By the way, Paul's a great man. Um, has something to do with the ACC now. I think he might be the president or the, whatever, the commissioner. But Paul was the head of observers in the NBA. And he called me up, and I thought a kid was that one of my students was playing a joke on me. So I said, okay, stop. And I hung up. And he called me up again, and I hung up again the third time. He goes, no, I want you to, I want you to observe in the NBA. I go, what? Wow. He goes, I want you yeah. to observe in the NBA. I go, well, let me ask you. I said, I have not seen an NBA game. The last NBA game I saw, Archie Clark was playing in it. And, <laughs> uh, and um, my dad was, was, um, uh, loved the, the Bullets. And we went down to University of Maryland because at that time the Bullets would play like five or six games. At, yeah, at the so, university. so last time I really saw it, and then, you know, when Scotty Foster, when Scotty was working in the CBA, you know, just listening to him, I learned so much from him. I go, I never knew that. I never knew that because I refereed a lot of games with Scotty. And I said, and Paul Brazo said, well, George Tolliver said that you would be really good at this. I said, Mr. Brazo, I don't know your rules. I don't know your mechanics. And he goes, well, you'll learn it. You'll learn it. And I said, I'm not too good with computers either, and I'm kind of computer illiterate. And he goes, don't worry about it, you'll do it. So um, <laughs> I, go, I go up to the observers meeting, and at the time, the first day I went there, I was scared to death, and Anita Perez, who is in the NBA IT, and you know she's a genius when it comes to computers, and Anita said, oh, come on, I'm gonna show you. And she goes, don't be afraid of the computer. Just start trying different stuff. 
and I picked it up and I picked it up because you had to do all your reports online. And, and the first meeting I went to was Ronnie Nunn and boy, the other observers, they were sharp on the rules and this, and I raised my hand and, you know, and I told Ronnie, another great person, another person who always motivated me. I said, uh, Mr. Nunn, I don't know. Can I just sit here and take notes? He goes, no, Al, you be comfortable. You be comfortable. I said, okay. So I started taking a lot of notes and I went out there and I started observing. And one thing that always helped me, just natural, I was detail oriented and I didn't know anything about pro basketball. And I always used to hear that pro basketball was entertainment. You really don't want to get involved with it and stuff like that. But I started watching these games. And I was going, oh, my God, these, these officials are really good. These coaches are phenomenal. And these players, I mean, this – and I finally realized from all my years of, you know, playing basketball and the playgrounds and this and that, there's a lot of strategy in pro basketball, which I never even knew about it. Right, and it was right. like I thought I was going to go – I thought I knew something about officiating. I knew nothing about officiating. And by observing those games and watching great referees and watching scenarios and going to clinics, even though I wasn't refereeing, when, it, when I came back to do my games, everyone would say, what happened to your officiating? I go, nothing. And they go, wow, you're just like – I, you're doing stuff that I know. And I said, well, I learned that from this. And I learned that from here. Plus I was break every game that was done. I had to go break down that tape. So I did that from 2004, five to, Oh my God, to 2015. And I observed in the NBA and I observed in the WNBA. So I was watching a lot of games. Uh, you would observe 40 games a year. And that was like, for me, like every time I went there, I learned something and, and I, and like, and like, I'll tell you a story, like, um, every, I, I, I get a kick out of, you know, when they criticize NBA officials, which I think's not, not, not very nice, but I had an attribute for every NBA official, like, you know, you know, like this official does that well and that official does this well and, he, you know, whatever, and everyone goes, what are you talking about? I said, well, I have an attribute for every one of them. And, you know, I knew Steve Ellinger from Ibo, and we made a great, even though I think Steve is doing it for Houston, we made a great team. And I met Don, Don Rutwich was an observer, and he taught me so much. And Ron Foxcroft, and um, Joe Mingle, and Jimmy Reif, and Jamie Jones, and Nick Itani, you know, you know, Nick, um, rest in peace what a great man he was yes, out of the brooklyn yes. ward yes. and what a, what a nice man and yeah he was a saint and he showed me an awful lot when we when we would be at meetings and i learned so much from nick but i learned so much from these observers and from ronnie nunn and the supervisors and the officials that hey, the NBA started and the WNBA started and I was watching and I was involved in college and I was involved in high school. And, you know, um, I didn't really get involved in the FIBA game until I started working with junior NBA as a scout. And then one day, George Tolliver said, uh, hey, we're starting the scouting department and I want you to be a part of it. And that's how it started. 
you know. Um, well, that's, that's great. You know, and... Um, how many people, I don't mean to cut you off, how many people do you think you're mentoring besides myself and Ralph? Oh, I'm uh, not mentoring. You guys are mentoring me. <laughs> uh, no, we, meant, you, we, we look at you as a mentor. And, and uh, how many people do you think that you're mentoring? No. Well, I, I would say, you know, one of my biggest faults as a scout is I get too involved I sometimes think with everybody. Excuse me? Yeah, I was saying, I know Mike is one of the ones that you're mentoring a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mike and I, I think we just refereed a lot, so many games together, you know, and, and the same with Mike Preston. But I, I wouldn't say mentoring anybody, but I, I think I'm involved with like, oh, maybe 250 to 300 referees in the country. Okay. And then I, I, I got involved, believe it or not, with some officials overseas. So, you know, and, and basically I don't mentor them. I just, I think I try to help them. I try to motivate them. I try to try to tell them, you know, if one door closes, you can't give up. Another one might open. You, you don't know where this journey is going to take you. You know, um, and I still mention the story about Scotty. You know, he really wanted to referee in the ACC. Didn't work out. Here comes the NBA, you know. I know so, that's right. You know, so you just don't know, you know, what's going to happen. Uh, but if you give up, you know, um, you know, I wanted to referee in the ACC really bad. You know, one good enough, but you know what? I'm glad I didn't because – I got to referee in the MEAC and the West Virginia Conference and, and I maybe didn't make the money, but the friendships I made and the camaraderie and the, those road trips, I'll never forget them. And, um, you know, and I still laugh today and then, you know, and, um, but that's what I'm saying, you know, you know, I keep got, make this a positive and, and, and so on. And, you know, and I really wanted to be the NCAA rules interpreter and, um, um, you know, but, you know, as a positive again, you know, I didn't get the NCAA rules interpreter and that's okay, but there was a reason I'm glad I didn't get it and it's nothing against the NCAA. The reason I'm glad I didn't get it because last year I gave a presentation on Los in Las Vegas on how to attack the rule book. And I think it was the first time that a non-NBA official ever gave a presentation. And I gave it, and like I give any presentations, I don't really think much about it. And I got a standing ovation. And, That's great. And, and I, but I would never have had that opportunity if I was the NCAA interpreter. I'm, you understand what I'm saying? So. For yes. everybody in the thing, just because you don't get this thing, you don't know what's coming up. And and I told someone, I said, you know, I, I, I didn't get NCAA um, um, rules editor. And they said, oh, and I said, but no, I'm glad. And they go, why? Because I said, I would have never gotten this opportunity and I would have never met this gentleman. And, you know, I would have never been, you know, I would have never um, met some of these young referees that I scouted, I would have never done that, you know? Well, you and I had a great conversation about an official, we don't have to mention their name, 
But we had a great conversation and, and you and I think so much alike of how we can motivate and, and instill into officials that when like one door closes, another door opens. It just may have to attack it in a different way or go through other means and don't get discouraged. And we talked about it and I said, I'll make the phone call. And, and we made that phone call. I yeah. said we, because it started from you and I. Yeah. And we made that phone call and they called me back. And we had such a great conversation. And that person just said, I'm glad that you called because I just needed to hear that, you know, from someone. And it just made me feel that that extension that we built that bond with, you extended certain things to me and we're following through with it. And this person is going to be back into the referee community and they're going to understand it from a different perspective that we don't give up in a passion of something that we love. Yeah. And, you know, and, and two is, you know, you know, if you're, if you're a, an interpreter or an assigner or, you know, the president of your board, the supervisor of the board, um, you don't have, just because you have that title, that does not entitle you to be mean to people um, or arrogant or whatever. You know, I, me personally, I think if you're in a position, you should always try to help somebody. And, and, and then the recipient should also say, well, you know, um, maybe I'm not ready for that or maybe right now I'm not good but you know I'm doing something that is that is um I guess the word it it is tough to referee and these games aren't easy and I am successful at it um because I refereed with a lot of good small college referees that probably could have refereed division one or or whatever but you know there were so many of them that they, they just didn't get the opportunity, but um, they really refereed well in their where they refereed, and and they always gave back. That was the that was the um, the great thing about them. I think you always got to give back. Um, Absolutely, I think that is so so important, and you always got to be professional. Like Jim Howe, Jim Howe. You know, I'm just thinking about Jim Howe. He was just. He was always helpful to me about my career. I mean, you know, um, he never, never, you know, just what just was a great person, you know. So um, I don't know. Just thinking about about him right now, but um, I wish I, you know, but I think that's what it's all about, you know. And it's you know, and it's me. It's not about the materialistic things. It's about you know the the day ins and the day outs and the good days and the days that, you know, you know, you had to just hang in there to, to make it, you know? So let me ask another question for you. What have been some of the best moments you had as a scout? Um, the best moments I've had as a scout, I guess, you know, when I gave that presentation in Vegas, that was a great moment because you know, I was shocked, you know, what, you know, the NBA wants me to get a, pre you know, I mean, and, and I was prepared for it because I've done so many rule clinics. I've been doing them since 1990. So to me, it wasn't that big of a deal. 
because I taught in a classroom for over 40 years. So I like doing it. You know, I like giving presentations, you know, um, but that was a great moment. Um, you know, uh, the, but I never got a standing ovation. <laughs> so, you know, but, um, and cause I always kid my eyeball where I go, I go out to Las Vegas, get a standing ovation. And you guys, ladies, throw things at me and, and my, <laughs> my commissioner, because they take you for granted. I go, I never, he goes, they take you for granted because they always know that you're going to be there. But I think just seeing, you know, when Ashley Moyer Bleach and Evan Scott, when they made it and Tony Patillo made it to the W and Carlina made it, or just the officials getting hired, you know, that's my, you know, um, or, you know, or they, or they, or they go in another avenue and they do well in the collegiate scene, you know, that, you know, those are, I think, my uh, proudest movements or whatever. Um, or just seeing, you know, I tell you, you know, um, uh, I tell you, Bernard and Ralph, I'm going to tell you a great human interest story. And this, this one really made me proud to be a scout. And I got to tell this story, but I was at junior NBA last year. And um, there were, you had um, the G League staff, the RDPs, and um, the new hires in the G League. And you had young FIBA referees every, you know, it was like, you know, and, and, I, and I don't know what level they worked. Some worked at a very high level and some worked at a very um, you know, low level. And I'm going to mention her name because um, what a person. Um, Claire Aubrey on the G League staff, there was a young lady that came from Indonesia, and she was there, and she was scared. Boy, she was scared. You know, here she is, junior NBA, with these G League referees and so on. And Claire Aubrey went out of her way genuinely genuine and and helped her ate lunch and dinner with this young lady and refereed with her and and basically you know motivated her for that week and made her feel uh, part of the team that she can do this but she took that genuine effort and also to help somebody. And I think that was my proudest moment as a scout. Now, uh, J.B. Caldwell, he found it, you know, he not found it, but he first saw clear. And, but I, I, I first really um, saw clear referee at Eric Lewis's camp, but, but so on. But, boy, that was impressive. Just, and it had nothing to do with officiating. It had to be a good person, okay, just a good person. And I think that's what that's all, this is all about. And it was just a great human interest story. And, and um, I, I was just, just um, I, I just thought it was phenomenal. I, I don't have words for it. I just thought it was phenomenal. So it's, all, it's always good to see, especially when you are in a leadership role, to see some of the folks that you help and when you see them become a leader 
and yeah. they take on leadership roles. It just, you know, uh, it just makes what you say you put into it, you just see it being done by others. And all you can do is say, hey, I got to find a new one to give this information to because yeah. they will give it to more. And the more that we do that, and, and that's why I take my hat off to you, uh, you know, because I, I, I admire the way that you link into so many and able to communicate. And I used you as an example. I don't know if you heard me last night, but I said the one thing that Al always talks about when he wakes up every day, just find one person to say something good to. And you'll see that it comes becomes a habit. And ever since the day you said it, I've always been that type of person anyway. But yeah. I take more note to it. Right, I take right. more note to it now. And I want to tell somebody thank you. And I want to tell somebody you look good. Or I want to tell somebody great job. And it just makes me so grounded to know that I have someone that I can pick up the phone phone with and have a broad conversation and grow even in something that we both, you know, love and share for sure. We're always looking for each other to grow in it, but we, we, we can marry each other and help each other grow in this business. And I'm so proud to be it. Ralph, you got anything else that you like to ask? Yeah. So, um, I mean, your, your passion emanates through everything that you do. And I, I think what is amazing about your officiating career it is, it's kind of like Kobe Bryant, you know, he, number eight can be retired and number 24 can be retired. And you've had such a great experience officiating and you've had such a great experience on the administration side. Um, what do you think you have passion for more refing or, and does the scouting and being an interpreter, does it give you the same thrill as being on the court? I, I think they, they all complement one another is, the, the great thing about the, all of them is um, I like them all. Um, I, um, the, the thing I like about scouting and being inter- scouting and being an interpreter are almost identical because um, the, you know I, you know I, you just want to help people and you know it's not you know in the NBA and you can use it for all basketball. But they had that motto, game partner self, game partner self, game. And, you know, it, usually you, you can't let self get in the way, meaning that self can't be first. But, you know, come on, we're human. And a lot of times it is. But being an interpreter, a scout, you know, self is always last. Um, and that's what I, I like about it. You know, what I'm really hoping now, I'm really trying to get someone to take my place as interpreter. Um, you know, um, that next for my IBO board and like, no one, you know, and I'm trying to get someone like when I, at my age, when I was in my twenties, really interested and wanted to do the work and I just can't find anybody, you know, to, to do it or yeah, or they don't, you know, or they don't have that passion yet, you know, Mm. to do it and, and be open-minded and whatever. Before I go and ask any other questions, I, I did want to just point out an interesting thing. I found it surprising that you have never met Bernard Bowen Sr. up until recently. And yeah. I just find that, you know, utterly astounding just how you guys are just, you know, a staple in the officiating community. How'd you guys meet? And just talk about that experience of oh, meeting yeah. each other. We, uh, uh, would you want to go ahead, Bernard? Well, yeah, let me see if I missed something. I was going out. 
uh, I met, I know Matt Augustus who works for Monty. Yeah. And, and uh, I wanted to make sure that since Bernard Jr. was taking over Nike Pro City, I wanted to go back to my days of growing up in a Dick Pavetta and a Lee Jones who took me under their wing. And I wanted to emulate that same scenario with Nike Pro City with that positive reinforcement. And for some God willing reason, the night that I came down to Jersey, I was coming down to see Mr. Capers, just to say hello, you know, and I had already met Mr. Capers because I helped him out trying to bring them over to the Lawyers League. And then Tyler had this program out in Secaucus at the Y. I walk in and Al is there and Al is going over a rule and I'm just observing. And then him and I sat there and we started talking about missions, goals, motivating opportunities, referees, win, win, win. That's all we talked about for that. And then I listened to him critique things. Uh-oh. He's just as receptive to what, yep, I just wanted to be re as receptive to him uh, as his knowledge he was giving to the, the young officials. And after we talked and we got on the phone and we talked a little bit more and I said, we exchanged emails we got on the phone and our missions are the same. And after we started talking more and more, it became like, do me a favor. After we, we got the guys and the girls up to Nike Pro City, uh, the feedback came and we, I followed up with an email just to let them know who was doing what and, and relayed that information down. So this way they can get that call from Al and say, yeah, I heard this. So they know that Al and I are communicating because our best interest is in them becoming better officials and giving them an opportunity to go to the next level. So it's been like a marriage made in heaven through the basketball <laughs> community. And, and we just like take it to the next level. And then we did the camp. Uh, we did the camp in October. And I said, Al, if you're gonna, he said, I think he was gonna be in the area anyway. And uh, he came up to the camp and spoke a little bit he illustrated a few things. And what that did would just say that we definitely are on the same page. And my goal is to do what he's doing and, and link myself into the atmosphere of looking at the Northeast further up than he is, but being that extension of him and, and hoping that I can connect with the NBA, giving them a venue to work in at Nike Pro City, which I understand is going to be happening again next year letting the officials know that we got a, a venue and the mindsets are the same if they put in the work and then listening to Al talk about it, it just made me proud to be part of who have an extension of who he is. Mm. Al, correct me where I'm wrong. No, it, it was great. And that weekend was great because yeah, um, what was the high school again? That At he, Taft. What was I it? Mean, uh, no, no, Lehman. Yeah. Lehman High School. Yeah, that the high school was great because we had officials from all different levels and it was great. And in, in, um, I, I observed, Bernard observed. In fact, Terry was there and yes. Terry Ferrito does a great job. The lot yes. of referees, you know, good man and um, motivates a lot of officials. 
And um, um, so, you know, it was just a really positive, it was a Saturday and we had such a good time. It, it started like early in the morning and it went by so fast because uh, we, we had such a great time. And I think, and the officials really enjoyed themselves too. And, yes. You know, and just, it was to just, hear, just to hear you be there, you had, and we had Hakeem Durham. And you know who else yeah. was there? Uh, Derek Madry. Yeah. Derek Madry came in. And, 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 and I, I remember Derek when he couldn't even officiate. Right. You know, so, so to and, hear and, him speak about his experiences was awesome. And, 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 and um, Smush Parker referee. Yes. And, and uh, Brenda Hackett referee. That's right. That's really right. good of referee. That's a game reviewer. And uh, so it was really a good weekend, um, really. And yeah, Keem refereed, or Keem spoke, and Kerry spoke, and it was really good. And, um, and we also made, we also, from that camp, we also took some great photographs that we could use as teaching points, which was really good. Um, that you could illustrate, you know, something, um, you know, by the way, just a quick teaching point. Um, sometimes if you take pictures of like plays, um, you can use them as teaching points in clinics. And I oh, got absolutely. this, and I got this from baseball cards, you know, when I was coaching baseball, um, I would always try to get baseball cards where you saw players in action. And and, the, and my player said, why do you do that? He said, see what he's doing in the car? He goes, yeah. I said, that's what I want you to do. They go, <laughs> oh, okay. I know how to do it then. <laughs> you know? And I think score, when I was, this is in the nine score baseball cars always had the illustrated, they just had, they had, they had them, the players in action, you know, which was great. So, yeah. you know. So sorry to go off on that. I'm just thinking of that. No, that, no. That, that, was, that was great. And, you know, Bernard, I, he sees a lot of what he does in me. And, you know, I added value with him just kind of opening up with the Internet. And, you know, I see a lot of myself um, in you or vice versa because uh, Bernard always tells me that I, I kind of take on too many projects at once. But now I feel like I'm going to be you down the road. I'm going to be somebody that's managing all these different things. And, you know, I think our passion is all unified in helping officials. So, you know, keep doing the great job that you're doing. Back to you. After everything you said, what do you think of the attributes? What do you think it took to get to where you are at this moment in time as a scout, as an interpreter, and, of course, as a basketball official? I, I just think just, just you, know, the, you know, the individuals that I've met, you know, on this journey, you know, I mean, these are my friends. These are my friends. This is my life, you know, that is, it's just, I, I, I just love being in it. I just love being with them. Like I said, this pandemic is, you know, and I've met more people in, in your network and it's just, it's, you know, you sit down and think about it. It's just phenomenal. And I think that's what it's all about, you know, um, and that's what it's all about at the end of the day, because it just keeps you going and it keeps you going. You know, the thing is when I've had bad days, I always have basketball to go back to. When I have good days, I have basketball is there. 
that, does that make sense? You know, yes, it does. Yes, it so, does. And that's why, you know, I love it so much. And, you know, and just in, you know, all the games, um, all the levels are just, it's just and, and, and the, the fishing and all levels, I just think it's uh, just great. And, um, mm. and, and so on. And, and, I, and I think that's why basketball officials really, really are a, a group that really sticks together and is a really a unified group because let's face it, it's not easy to officiate a basketball game. We take it for granted sometimes, but you know, everyone's had that experience or, or had that bad experience when someone's come at them that was not rational or, or whatever, or had that good experience or whatever. And so, you, you know, um, even though I might not have met someone and they're telling me their story, I can say, but I've been there. I know what you're talking about. I've been there, you know? So, um, and I think that is just, just, just great. Sorry. You know, no, it, it's, it's what I always thought uh, would happen when I ask you these types of questions. Um, you mentioned something earlier in the podcast. Um, the more you got further, the more you realized you didn't know. And you're so accomplished as an official. You're so accomplished as an interpreter. You're so effective helping younger people and getting people to the next level, whether that be the highest levels of high school, highest levels of college, and highest levels of the pro, pro professional level. Um, what do you think it's going to take to get to where you want to go? And ultimately, where do you want to go after everything that you've accomplished in this game? Well, you know, I... The thing is, I don't look at these as, you know, Ralph Gunsman as accomplishments. I just think it, it's a journey. It's a, it's, it's a life journey. It's, it's something that I like to do. And, you know, wherever it takes me, I'm going to still have that passion. You know, do you know what I'm saying? That I, it, mm-hmm. I might still be here, but that's okay. You know, that's okay. I mean, it's, it's, I don't think it's about, I'm going to call accomplishments or um I, I you know just meeting people day to day and in trying to do the right thing every day I think that's mm-hmm. the most important thing are you doing the right thing every day you know um you know um when I when I taught I, I taught for so many years and um kids would say well i need an a i go really you need an a and they go yeah i need an a and i said well i said those are i used to tell students those some of you get a's and some of you get a's and they would go what do you mean by that i go you you know you're you're very eccentric mr batista i said no some of you get a's but you forget it in a month or so and some of you get a's and you continue you continue with the rest of your life you know, with that, and they go, well, what do you mean? I said, well, at the end of the day, I really don't care if you get an A. I'm not saying not to study, but are you going to be a good person? Are you going to have a work ethic for the rest of your life? That's what I'm looking for. You know, I could really care less if you get an A right now, you know, but 20 years from now, if you're a good person and you're helping others, you know, and um, that's what it's all about. My administrators would get mad at me. Go, what are you telling these kids? You know, but you know, but I think that's what it's all about. You know, mm. I mean, the main thing is, you know, you know, to be honest with you, Ralph and Bernard, that the thing that you know, the the only thing I really want is to keep my mind sharp. 
you know, I want, because I'm, you know, I'm getting older. I want to keep my mind sharp. I don't, that's the thing that I fear of losing, you know, um, um, you know, and, and so on. But I just want to keep my mind sharp, you know, so, because if I, my mind's not sharp, I can't help anybody. Mm. Well, as long as I'm around, we'll work on that together. Yeah. To keep our mind sharp. Yeah. <laughs> um, you talked about how, uh, how frustrating and sticky the situations you were coming up as a referee. Um, before I ask the last question, um, have you had any sticky situations uh, in terms of becoming a scout or an interpreter? Whether that be maybe you missed a flight and you missed somebody or uh, you, you kicked a rule and, and you presented in front of a lot of people? Um, you know, the, the only thing, you know, sometimes, you know, you know, um, you know, I try to, again, I try to make it into a positive. Sometimes, you know, I beat myself up and said, well, oh, I shouldn't have taken that person right now. They weren't ready. They were too young and I shouldn't have taken them, you know, and whatever. And, and, and I even told them, I said, I took you, they're too young and they'll go, no, Al, you did. And I just wasn't, no. But then I watched them now and I watched them referee and go, what? they go, this is what I learned from that experience. And, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't say, Ralph, I just think that, again, you know, um, I'm not perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. But the one thing that I, I will not do, I will always try to help somebody in, and, and so on, or, or, and I won't defeat anybody or, you know, I, you know, whatever. So, no, I mean, if I don't know a rule, and a lot of times I do because I get confused. So wait a second, I got to look this up, you know, you know, and, or, or whatever. And they go, how, you get there so fast. I go, I know, because I read these things so many times, you know, and, in whatever. But no, I, I don't think so. You know, because I, I don't, if I make a mistake, I make a mistake. It's not like I'm doing it, you know, you know, on purpose or whatever. So Bernard mentioned uh, your best moment was that standing ovation that you had when you had that presentation in Las Vegas of attacking the rule book. I, I would pin- say it's the, my best moment. It, it, <laughs> it, it, it was really, you know, Ralph, I like that, you know, I don't, you know, the thing is, I don't really like materialistic things. I mean, I really don't, um, because we're all, we all should be trying to help one another. But uh, I, I was, I guess I was proud. I was proud. Boy, I, I never thought I'd be here and to do this. That was big for me, you know? If you can pinpoint one moment that was your favorite moment that meant the most out of you in your officiating career, what was your best best moment as an official? I think all those years working the West Virginia Conference Tournament, you know, um, if you, yeah, have you ever seen the movie Hoosers, the first? Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the West Virginia Conference Tournament was like that. And the, I mean, it was, they used to play it at the Charleston Coliseum, but just being in those games and being in there with, with just great people like Floyd Schuler and Steve Quinn and Jim Mike Ward and Clarence Woody and Jim Dagestine and Jack Prettyman and Paul Vargo. I mean, Jim Murray. 
uh, Doug Spry, Mike Eads. Um, those days on that Raina Tilly, those days, Brad Ruse, I'll never forget those days because it was like Hoosers. And um, I'll never forget those days. And it was wild. Mm. And um, and the crowds were wild, and um, and uh, just to be there, and and, and, and you remember in Hoosiers where they had the media on the, the all of Indiana lined up. That's the way it was in the West Virginia Conference tournament. Wow. All of West Virginia was lined up, and it was a big thing. And a lot of people on this podcast, if you ever saw the, you would know what I was talking about. But that was my biggest thrill, and, and, and I had the opportunity to referee it. And I was lucky from 90 to 2015. Mm. And, um, you know, and um, just great days with great friends. Mm. And, um, and uh, Chris Cacagno, you know, we miss Chris Cacagno, Mike Preston, Mike Million refereed those games. But these were the guys that I refereed with, and um, I'm sorry if I missed somebody because not were they only great people, they were great friends, and they supported me when anything I did. Um, so Jeff O'Malley is another one who was on the NCAA Rules Committee. So, um, you know, just thinking out loud, and um, um, and we had an observer named Joe Wolf who helped a lot of referees in Maryland and in the West Virginia Conference. Just another great man that lives up in Cumberland, Maryland. Just a good man, very devoted to IBO. And um, so, but I think those moments, you know, those moments mm, in good. refereeing with Scotty Foster, those were fun moments. You know, refereeing at Langdon Park with Scott Foster or refereeing. You know, in the you know, Jell of Boys Club or whatever, those were just great days. Mm. Well, that's that's all I got, Bernard. Do you have anything else you want want to ask, Bernard? Uh, Al, uh, I don't have anything. I know we will think of something as soon as we disconnect, but that means that we got to go get him to do a second episode. <laughs> yeah, we so, we will at some point. So, uh, so well, we may, we, yeah, I look forward to it, and Al, I appreciate you taking no, time out. No, thank you, thank thank you for what you guys do. Your, you know, Bernard, Rob, your Zoom sessions are just phenomenal, and they're growing and growing and growing, and it's just great. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for all your support. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we completely appreciate your support, and we we fully respect your beautiful mind and and. If, if as long as we know that you want to keep it sharp, we know we, you're going to keep going. So we, yeah. appreciate, we appreciate all your contributions in the officiating game. For Al Batista and, of course, Bernard Bowen Sr., this is Ralph the Ref. This is The Rant. We are signing out. Peace. All right. All Thank right. you.